Welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor, and it's so good to see you guys with us here today. Big welcome to everybody watching online, man. We're just honored to have you with us. You know, a lot of folks will watch for a few weeks online before coming to to check us out, kind of see what we're all about. I want to invite you personally to come check us out next week. It's a great week to be here with Growth Track Step 1 coming, and I, I got to let you know, Growth Track Step one isn't just about getting on the team. It's also a great way to get to know us. Next week, we're continuing Summer at the Gathering with a message called How to Be Content. And so I'm excited about that. Well, uh, today we are in Summer at the Gathering. And today I want to talk about transition. Transition. About the moment where we move from one season into a different one. The, the moment where we are in between phases of our lives. Where we can see that this, this season has come to a close and a new one is beginning. I believe life moves in seasons. Now I know it's, it's become a bit of a cliche to even say so at this point. We get, we, we get in a transition season and we get kind of where if one more person says, well, it's just a season to us, we're thinking we're going to pop them in the mouth, you know? You're kind of tired of hearing it. But I've learned a lot about seasons. My wife, she grew up uh, on a dairy farm. She's a farmer's daughter. Had to go up to western New York to get myself a farmer's daughter. And and I've learned a lot about farming, a lot about farming in being married to her. Specifically, and only, here's the thing that I've learned, there is a season for planting and a season for harvesting, and you never get to eat the fruit the same day that you plant the seed. I've learned that life moves in seasons, that there's a season for waiting, there's a season for watering, that there's a season for harvesting. Life moves in seasons. Elementary school to middle school is a big changing of the seasons. Today is the move-up day, and our kids, G-kids and G-students, they're moving from one up to the next. How many of you guys, if you sit back and think, remember that shift from being in elementary school to middle school? If you have no recollection of that at all, it's because it was one of the worst times of your life, and you've erased it from your memory. If there's any middle schoolers in here today, I'm sorry, and I just need you to know it gets better, okay? It gets better at some point, maybe. We'll find out. And the clock just keeps moving. From school to college is a big changing of the seasons. It feels like the biggest of your life so far. From college into the workforce, I remember when I was in my early 20s and, and I was kind of making that shift from being a college student to being in the workforce, I remember kind of thinking this was the final season, like next would be retirement. And I was very wrong about that. What I found out was as an adult, it seems that seasons change even faster than they do when you're growing up. Uh, from one moment to the next, getting married and, and entering into a long-term relationship is a brand new season. It's a new world. And having kids for the first time, adding to the number of kids that you have is all a shifting, a changing of the seasons. Moving from one career into a different career, one, one position into a new position, it's all a shifting and a changing of the seasons. And the clock just keeps moving. The sand keeps falling. Time keeps shifting through different seasons. But sometimes we don't. 
Sometimes we stop in the transition and dig our heels in and say, I'm not taking one more step. Life has moved on. Physically, we've entered into the next season, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we're back in the last one. Maybe you're living in a season that closed on your life 10 years ago, and you just can't seem to move forward. You can't seem to step out of it. You can't imagine moving into the next season. My daughter struggles with the changing of the seasons in what she wears specifically. From winter to summer is always a real struggle for us. Last weekend, we went out for a hike and she came downstairs ready to go wearing long pants, a dress over the long pants, long sleeves over that, and a sweatshirt on top. The high was 82 that day and so she de-shedded some of those layers pretty quick. And I guarantee that when December comes, she will only want to wear strap tank top dresses, strap dresses will be the only thing that see what happens is physically she's here in this season but emotionally her wardrobe is stuck in that one we do the same thing as well maybe you find yourself in a season of transition today maybe you're you're leaving one career and moving on to the next one Maybe your last kid has graduated high school and, and now you're preparing for the empty nest, trying to, you're excited and nervous at the same time, mourning the loss of something while stepping into something else. Maybe you've entered into a relationship with Jesus and you're so excited to find freedom, but you're realizing the amount of work it's going to require of you. And so you're stuck right here in this space. See, sometimes we just fear the challenge of a new season. We can see that it's coming, maybe even that it would be good, but we know the amount of work that we put into this last one. And the next one brings us a fear. I think so often we miss the importance of this time in between, the importance of our transition, moving from one season to another one, from one chapter to the next. I think we look ahead and we see this new season and we begin to feel a sense of dread for what waits for us on the other side. Numbers 13 tells the story of the Israelites having been uh, released from slavery in Egypt and delivered out of that. They spend about a year traveling and they arrive at the promised land. And if you went to Sunday school, you know the story. They send 12 spies in and the spies come back and report that the land is flowing with milk and honey, that it, that it is a, every time I hear that, there was an old Winnie the Pooh cartoon where there was a literal land with milk and honey, and I can see it in my head. And, and, they, and their fruit there was great, and they bring back some samples. They say, try this fruit, it's so good, and everybody's all excited. They're like, yeah, let's go into the promised land, this is great. But 10 of the spies say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It's good. There's good things in there. The fruit is good. There's blessing in the promised land, but we'll never be able to take it. We, we, we would never be able to win the battle. The people there are huge. They're like giants. We must have looked like grasshoppers to them. There's no point in even trying to take it because the work will be too hard. The battle will be too difficult. Instead, we should stay here in this transition season. So for the next 40 years, they would wander around in the desert until that generation died off and God gave the blessing to their children instead. Sometimes... The anticipation of the new season keeps us from stepping into the goodness of it. We fear the work of a new season. And so instead of doing the work and enjoying the blessing, we stay where we were before or we stay locked in the middle. 
I want to look at a a real big season of transition in Scripture today. It was a season of transition for three giants in the Bible. Saul, Samuel, and David were about to have, on just uh, within a couple days, all three of them would enter into one of the biggest transitions of their lives. Saul was the king at the time. Here's the way that that the, the world worked for Israel at that time and for a long time afterwards. There was a king. And the king was over the people. The people would obey the king. He would rule the land. But there was also a prophet. And the prophet served directly underneath God. God would speak words to the prophet. And the prophet would give to the king. And the king was to obey the word of God through the prophet. So there was a prophet and there was a king. Samuel was the prophet. Saul was the king. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 is where we pick up the story And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, God tells Samuel to go and fire Saul. Let me back up a little bit. God gave Samuel instructions for Saul. See, this was the way that it would work. God would tell Samuel something for the king. Samuel would go tell the king, and the king was to obey it to the letter. He He was leading God's people. He was meant to do it the way God commanded. And so Samuel gave some very specific instructions to Saul. There was a people group called the Amalekites that were oppressing the people of God. And so Samuel's instructions for Saul were to take the armies of Israel and go demolish the Amalekites, to annihilate them completely, not to take any spoils whatsoever. Saul goes and he does war with the Amalekites But he does not annihilate them completely. He keeps their king alive and takes them with him. And he takes many, many spoils on the other side of this. What I want to learn from this story is a few different things about seasons of transition by looking at the transition that each of these men was about to go through. First, I want to look at the transition of Saul and talk about what happens when we get stuck in transition because of our disobedience, when we get stuck in our disobedience, I'm just going to level with you. This, this one is, is going to be hard, and they get progressively easier from there. Lean in for a minute. I'm not angry. I'm happy. This one convicted me, and I want to share it with you a little bit. After that, Saul, oh, 1 Samuel 15, 10, 23. Let's look at the story. So Samuel had given these instructions to Saul. Saul had done part of it, but not all of it. Look at verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I've made Saul king, because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry, and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. How many of you know that if you have to build your own monument, something is wrong? Something's not right. Can you imagine if Rocky Balboa had constructed his own monument in Philadelphia and called all the people to come look at it? That's your first sign, Saul, that something is not right here. It says, Samuel... Saul has gone to Carmel where he set up a monument in his own honor and turned and gone down to Gilgal. Verse 13, when Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. If you've got kids, you know this moment. 
You, you hear silence upstairs for a few minutes, not really sure what's going on. You had told them to do something very specific. You go upstairs. The thing has not been done. Everything has been destroyed. Their rooms are a mess. The one thing they were told specifically not to do has been done. And your child meets you at the top of the stairs and says, Hey, Daddy, everything's great. I did exactly what you told me to do. Something is wrong. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? That's Old Testament sass right there. (laughs) Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Saul is now on the defense. And his first, his first instinct is to begin to blame the people around him. Saul had one thing that he and he alone is responsible for. And when the thing that he didn't do starts to come back towards him, he begins to position blame somewhere else. This is something we often do in our disobedience. When we don't want to come forward to the fact that we've only been partially obedient, that some area of our life there has been a misdoing, the first thing that we begin to do is look around us to see who else could be at fault for it. The soldiers brought them. Samuel 16, Samuel says, enough. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Verse 20, but I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. But you have rejected the word of the Lord, and he has rejected you as king. I want to talk about partial obedience for a moment. I think oftentimes we we land in seasons of transition because we've been partially obedient to what God has called us to do. Often we think partial obedience is better than no obedience, but in this situation, that was the same argument Saul was having. He's arguing with the prophet of God, saying, I've done what God told me to do. I went and I battled these people and we obliterated them. And sure, sure, we kept some of the stuff, but we were going to give some of it back to God. Surely I've already done what you told me to do. Partial obedience is disobedience. You will often find yourself stuck in a transition season when you don't fully obey God. Saul had completely convinced himself that partial obedience was full obedience. 
He couldn't understand why his life was moving out of the season that he was in, that he loved, and into a different season because he convinced himself that he had been obedient. But he was not. God gave him specific instructions on how he was meant to live, and he only followed through with part of it. See, I think all of us behave like Saul in this way sometimes. And sometimes it costs us very deeply. And when that happens, like Saul, we have a hard time understanding why. I think sometimes, like Saul, we want to live in full blessing on partial obedience. God, give me favor in my life. Let me stay right where I am and be blessed, God. I want your blessings to fall on me, God. And in return, I'll give you a part of my heart. I'll give you a portion of me, a portion of my time. God, I'll give you Sundays, and I kind of want you to stay there on Sunday. I mean, if somebody asks me if I'm religious at work, I might say, yeah, I'm religious, but I don't really want to go into the whole thing, God. It seems like I don't want to be a nut about the whole thing, God, but I do want your favor and your blessing on my life. I want full blessing, and I'm going to offer in return partial obedience. I want you to show up, God. I'm not going to try to meet with you anywhere. But I do want you to show up in my life. Bless me, God. Give me great favor. And in return, I'll give you some of what you've asked for, but not all of it. Bless me, God. Move me out of the hard season that I'm in. Deliver me from the pain of the season that I'm in right now. I'm not going to go to life group and tell those strangers about all my problems, God. I'm not doing that. But deliver me from my season of hardship. I don't want to be here anymore. God, why aren't you showing up for me here? I'm not going to wake up early and worship you, Lord. I don't have time for that, but I do want peace in my life. Partial obedience, but we want full blessing. Maybe right now you're transitioning into a new season as a result of partial obedience. Maybe you find yourself in a position like Saul was in. God rejected him as king. His life was never going to be the same again. He was walking into a season of consequence, not out of direct disobedience, but out of a partial obedience, which is disobedience. Often I think we don't go all in on what God's called us to do, and and there are consequences as a result. We give him a portion of our lives. We give him a little bit. God, God I, I want to give you a part of my marriage. But I, I don't know if I want to go all on the private side of things into what you've called me to do. If I, if I want people to have this kind of access to my integrity or my, my personal life. But I do want your blessing in my marriage. And when things begin to fall apart, we wonder why God doesn't get us out of it. And we get angry at him and we get angry at the church and we get angry at the people of the church. That's what Saul did. Saul spent the rest of his life bitter towards Samuel, angry at God. He said in transition, in a season of transition until he died in his bitterness. I think sometimes we're educated beyond our obedience. We come in and we're having a hard time and we ask God for more information and how we can get out of it. We, We want a revelation or a breakthrough on how we can get out of this hard season But we haven't applied the simple principles that he gave us already yet. We haven't started doing the very simple things that he's commanded that 
the absence of which led us into this transition in the first place. He tells us to worship Him daily, to pray daily, to read His Word daily, to gather with other believers, to serve the church and advance its mission, to give of our time and our finances, to go all in on what we already know. And once we've done those things, our life begins to shift and it begins to change. Our decisions begin to change. Once we're living in that way, He begins to give us revelation. But I think what happens is we only do a little bit of that. We try it. We give it a portion and as a result, we're not walking in the life that God's called us to walk in, the way that he's called us to walk it. We find ourselves in transition, begging for revelation, but the revelation's already been sent. It's already been given to us. We've already been told what we should do, how we should move forward. We just haven't done it yet, educated beyond our obedience and asking for more education. Saul wanted full blessing on partial obedience. I think Saul's life, if you know the story, Saul becomes more and more bitter. Over time, he becomes paranoid. He's tormented. He's depressed. He's, he gets crazy in the end. He, 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 he really goes off the rails. And I think Saul's life didn't have to end up the way that it did. Because the Bible says God rejected Saul's position and not his person. God tells Saul... I have rejected you as king. And maybe we have a tendency to stop that sentence before it's over. To read that God says, I have rejected you. We think that what we've done, the mistakes that we've made, the disobedience that has led us into a transition has disqualified us from future blessing. And that's not what the Bible says. He doesn't say, I've rejected you, Saul. He says, I've rejected your position, not your person. God never rejects your person. He may remove you from your position, but you will he will never reject your person. Maybe you're in a season where your disobedience to God has cost you your position, your job, your security, your marriage, your relationships. Maybe your position will never be the same again. The season that you're walking into will never be like the one that you've come out of. That does not mean that God is finished with you. He is not. It does not mean that there is not still purpose for you. There is. It does not mean that God doesn't have a blessing waiting for you in the next season. I believe he does. Saul could have entered into a season of obedience and I believe he could have entered into a season of blessing. He could have trained and developed and invested in the next king. I believe he could have received new blessings in the new season because God did not reject his person. He rejected his position. You might have disqualified yourself from the last position. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have a different one for you. It doesn't mean he doesn't have a new season for you, a new blessing for you to walk into. It is the decisions that we make in our season of transition that will determine what happens next. It is our, our submission to the obedience of God, to admitting where we've gone wrong and doing our best to follow Him and move into a new season with Him that will determine whether or not it is a season of blessing. Let's talk about Samuel for a minute. I think sometimes like Samuel, we get stuck in our fear. 
we get stuck in our fear of the new season. Samuel had been through some difficult transitions before. This wasn't new for him. He, he had led Israel as the prophet of Israel, receiving word from God that he would give directly to the people for a time. And, and then after, after he started to age, he passed that job on to his sons, and his sons were really very bad at it. And so the people of Israel said, we don't want them, they're terrible. What we want is a king like everybody else has. Give us a king. We demand a king. Give us a king. And Samuel took that very personally. So why don't they like me? They've rejected me. They've rejected my sons. These people stink. God, I don't like them anymore. And God says, Samuel, remember, they haven't rejected you. They're rejecting me as leader. Go and find their king and give them their king. So he has this burden of responsibility to find this king. And he anoints Saul. Samuel is the one who would anoint Saul. And he was also the one who would remove the anointing. And so you can imagine how he felt when the king he anointed, that he fought against and now had committed his life to serving, had failed him completely. That he would be the one to have to go and deliver this message. His feelings were hurt by it. He was angry about it. The Bible says he was angry about it. It says he cried all night long ahead of going to deliver this message to Saul. That's, that's the right kind of person in your life, by the way. The person who, when they need to bring you bad news, bring you the bad news, but you can tell that it is hard for them. You ever have a, a friend who's just excited to bring you bad news? You can get a little bit giddy ahead of it. Hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> Performance reviews are in. Yours was real bad. All right, I got to go. You know, it's like, wait a minute. What, what just happened? You don't need people like that. You need people like Samuel. Samuel's angry, and he's upset and uh, it says in 1 Samuel 16, 1, the Lord said, Samuel goes and does what God told him to do. He brings the message to Saul. And afterwards, it says they worship together and they part their, their ways. They never see each other again. And Samuel is distraught by what's happened, by the loss of this king. And in 1 16, 1, it says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. Sometimes we physically moved into a different season and a new season, but emotionally we're staying back in the last one because of our fear. My, my family moved recently. A couple weeks ago, we moved from one house into a, another house. And I hate moving, and I hate everything about moving. I hate the whole process. People that know me well know that the way that I'm wired, I'm a little bit, uh, things have to be in a certain place. I mean, they, they go in the drawer. They go, they got to get put away. They've got to get, things have to be put away. I can't sleep at night if there's stuff in the sink, you know. I've got to go clear. The, the sink has to be empty. Everything has a specific place. Moving ruins all of that. It, all the places are gone. They, they're packed away. The places don't exist anymore. Things are in the wrong place. There's just stuff everywhere. It's, it's unsettling inside. And then you, there's, there's the, the house buying process. This is our first time doing this. We sold a house and we bought a house. And the whole time you're thinking, are they going to leave in due diligence? Why do we have to have due diligence? I don't like due diligence. Don't do any diligence. Just buy the house. And then you're on the other house and they're going to do the inspection. And you're like, what if they find out that the house is sinking into the ground? I actually, let's waive the inspection. I don't want to know. I like this house. Let's just buy it. It'll be fine. Everything's fine. I don't like that. I don't like the move itself, the physical aspect of moving. There is no worse day in your life 
than when a friend calls you and says, hey, I'm moving on Saturday. Can you help? It's terrible. It says heavy. The stuff is heavy. The pizza they're buying me isn't enough to earn this. I'll go buy my own $7 pizza. I don't need this trouble. You know, I'm going to be honest with you because I've already gotten help and we've moved and I've decided I'm never moving again. When people call me and ask for help, I almost always say no. And I don't even make up reasons anymore. I can feel your anger. It doesn't matter. I'm fueled by it. They, they, say, they say, hey man, I'm moving on Saturday. Can you help? And I say, no. And they're like, are you busy? Nope. <laughs> oh, are you out of town? Nope, I'm at home. I'm just not coming to carry your couch up six flights of stairs. That's not happening. It's terrible. And then you get into the new house and just everything's wrong. Everything's different. It's emotionally hard. It's just, it's, it's stressful. I'm stre- I don't know if you can tell. I'm stressed out, okay? I, this doesn't have anything to do with the message. I had to get this off my chest. No, a, a couple nights ago, uh, two, two nights into our new house, I was tucking my daughter in, Eleanor. She's four. She's, she struggles like I do with change. We just don't do well with change. And, and the house is, has been all torn apart. You know, it's been weeks since she's had a normal. And she's acting out like kids do. She's just not listening to anything. She's being kind of a jerk, you know. And, and we're just like, this has got to stop. So I'm tucking her into bed two nights into our new house. And I just said, Eleanor, what's going on? Because lately how you've been behaving, this is not who you are. You aren't this. You are kind and patient. You're compassionate. And that's not the way you've been acting towards us. So to help me understand what's going on. And she, anytime she knows she's going to say something important, she sighs. So she sighs. She's like, Dad, I just want to go home. This isn't my home. This isn't my room. I just want it to be normal. I just want tomorrow to wake up and have a normal day. I just want to go home. Is your heart broken? I felt that way too. I didn't know what to say to her because I was feeling it. I was feeling it. I felt, I just said, I mean, me too, honey. (laughs) But we can't. This is our home now. And maybe you're, you're in that place where you've, you've gone from one season and you're walking into the next season, you can see that it's ahead of you, but all you can feel as you approach it is fear. And you just, you're lying there and you're just thinking, I just want to go home. I want to go back here. I don't want to go there. I don't know what's, what's waiting for me there. I don't know what's ahead of me there. I, I don't want to repeat the same mistakes I did last time. At least this was familiar. Our last house, there was a lot of problems, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of troubles that we had with it, but I was longing for it because I was so uncertain of what was coming next. My daughter felt the same thing. Sometimes it doesn't matter how dysfunctional the last season was, it was familiar. And so we're just terrified of the fear of the new season because we don't know what to expect. Sometimes we would rather stay in the toxic than step into the unknown. We're just afraid. We're afraid because we remember the work to get through that last season. And we're looking ahead at the next one, and we know there'll be work again. Or maybe the last season was actually really good, and something in your life caused it to come to a close, and you're worried that the next one won't be as good. When you're looking at it, it just looks like it won't be as good. In the beginning, there was always trouble with Saul. 
Samuel could see it from the beginning. There was, there was an issue of his heart that was going to have to get dealt with, but he was the familiar king. He was tall. He looked like a king. It says he stood ahead above everybody else. He was handsome. He was strong. He was a warrior. He wasn't the best king, but he was the king we had and the king we knew. And this next place that Samuel was being sent was just farm people. How could this be any better? How, how could, what if it's the same thing all over again? Samuel's thinking, I anointed that king and I took away that anointing. Now you want me to anoint another one? I don't know if my heart can go through it all again. And he goes to Jesse's farm and starts looking at his sons and he sees them. And the old son, older son comes out and it says in verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, I don't know how to say his name, it's a, Eliab, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You need to remember that God can see what you can't see. That ahead of you in the season that you're walking into, it may not look like it's going to be as good as this last one. You may have fear about it because you can't see, you can't see all of the blessings that are on the other side. You see, God can see the whole picture when we can only see a part of it. God can see what's on the inside when we can only see what's on the outside. He knows the blessings that are waiting on the other side of the work. We can't see them yet. And so we've got a fear about it. We're being told to step into something we don't know. And we just think, God, I, I just, I don't know about all of this. Are you sure it's this guy? But God can see what Samuel can't. And God can see what we can't. This was going to take time. There was going to be hard work to do. There would be some challenges along the way. But Samuel didn't know it. He was about to anoint a king who would be a man after God's own heart, who God would reveal plans for his glorious temple to, whose son would build that temple. He didn't know it, but through the line of David, who Samuel was anointing, would come the Messiah who would save the world. See, he just couldn't see all of that yet, but God could. God could see every blessing on the way. And he called Samuel to step into it with the full knowledge and confidence that it was there. You might have to wait for it. You might have to work for it, but we need to learn to step into this next season the way David did, to move forward with confidence. Move forward with confidence. David's week was a lot different than Samuel's and Saul's. Samuel and Saul have all this going on, and there's battles and blood and spoils and sheep, and David, in the meantime, he's just out in the field. He's asleep that morning when Samuel comes. He's, he's sleeping in the field with the sheep. He'd been out with the animals. He probably used the sheep as a pillow. I thought about it a lot. I think it'd be very comfortable if you could get it to stay still. It was probably a, a normal morning. He woke up. It was just like the morning before it. Just the sounds of animals, just, just having beans in a can. He just, it was a normal morning that he thought would be his future for quite some time. That He probably imagined his life would work out a lot like the life of his father. He was just going to find a good wife and, and get some animals. And if he could do well, just have a nice farm to live on. But God had something else in store. He was about to enter into a transition that would shake up his whole life forever. It would never, ever be the same. He's sitting there and, and Samuel, the prophet of God, who everybody knew he'd been the prophet for a long time, is walking towards him with a horn of oil. 
He pours that oil over David's head and anoints him as the next king of Israel. Wow, that's a bit of a shift on your day. And David, he's got a lot of waiting to do, a lot of work to do to step into that blessing. It's not going to be an easy trade. It'll be 15 years from the moment, moment he was anointed to the moment he put a crown on. 15 years, a lot of work. In that time, he would fight Goliath. He would become a, a major warrior in the army of Saul. He would enter into the court of Saul and play music to help calm Saul's heart. Saul would begin to get paranoid and suspicious that this was the anointed king. Tried to kill him. One time, David is, is standing there and Saul throws a spear. It lands in the wall right next to him. And he goes on the lamb and he's running. He's hiding in caves. His only friends are thieves and murderers that help protect him. Just a lot of work. A lot of hard things were going to happen in his life. A lot of waiting. A lot of waiting for the blessings in an unknown season and going through things that he never expected. And it just, it, it just wasn't easy all at once. He got anointed king shortly after there was a war happening with the Philistines and all his brothers went away to fight it. And his father, he, he had stayed back to watch the sheep because he was young. And his father sent him out to the battle lines with sandwiches. And, and David maybe said, Dad, I'm, I'm anointed the king over Israel. You want me to bring sandwiches? And he said, sorry about that. King David, go bring your brother some sandwiches. And he gets out to the battlefield. And there's a, there's a hush. There's a quiet. There's a fear there. And he's looking around. He said, what's going on? What's everybody's problem? He said, this man Goliath comes out every day and taunts us and, and, and embarrasses us and calls insults down on our God. And none of us are, are brave enough to go fight him. David knows he's been anointed as the king. And David knows there's blessings on the other side of his obedience. But it's going to be some work. So he says, I'll do it. He just goes after it. And just over and over again, he just approaches every season with confidence, with obedience. He just keeps doing it. He just keeps doing it. David would have his own struggles with disobedience later in life. But the way he would respond on the other side of that would be so much different than Saul. Similar to Saul, David would make a mistake and, and God would remove this favor from him. He went into a really hard season. He lost children. Horrible things happened as a result of his disobedience. He moved from one season into another one. Psalm 51 is what happens when David repents of all of it. The prophet comes up to him, Nathan, and he, he tells David, he said, hey, this is you. you you've, you've hurt somebody. You've hurt some people. You've been disobedient to God the same way Samuel did to Saul. Saul's response is anger, bitterness. He argues. He won't accept blame. David's response is repentance. He's restored. His line carries on. God still brings the Messiah through him. Do you see the difference? Enter into this season with confidence. Last thing, I'll leave you with this. Psalm 27, David wrote this early, early, early. Shortly after Goliath, he's working in the, in the court of Saul at this time, and he's just in a waiting. He's been anointed king, but he's got no idea how long it's going to take. He's, he's, he's just in this weird season of transition, trying to move forward. And he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, 
It's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Move into your season of transition with confidence. There will be a fight ahead. There will be battles. There will be waiting. There will be working to get into the blessings. It will be hard at times. If you brought it on yourself, it'll be even harder for you. But be confident that you are not going into this fight alone that you don't have to go through this work alone, that you don't have to walk into this season alone, that God's got a blessing for you and he's the one who will carry you to it. Verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Wherever you are right now, in transition or not, Act in obedience. When you lose, mourn and move forward. Be patient. Work for the blessing. Every season, every season that we go through, God has something in it for us. Do the work. Be patient. Dig it out. And there is something better on the other side. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are, for your compassion and your grace and your mercy, God. That, Father, even when we make mistakes that walk us into a different season, into a transition season, that, God, you respond to our repentance. That when we turn from it and we say, God, we're yours, we're so sorry, we offer you our broken hearts, that you respond to that, Father, by, by walking with us into this next one. I pray for every person in transition in this room today, that you would give them the confidence of David. That, God, you would wake them up the way you woke up, Samuel. That, that you would say, how long are you going to mourn for over this last season? It's time to move into the next one. Lord, I just ask that you, would, that you would whisper that into our hearts when we need to hear it. That you would wake us up and say, I've got something for you on the other side. That we would see your blessing and decide it is worth the work. We worship you, God. We lay our current season, our transition our, our past seasons, we just lay them at your feet. We, ask us, we just ask you to use us in them and through them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.